Welcome to Coast to Ghost. I'm Carly. And I'm Bee. And we're two friends that met each other at Build-A-Bear a long time ago, and now we tell spooky stories to keep each other entertained. So, what kind of question do you got this week? So I had to, this kind of ties into last week because I asked you this, but I cut it out of the podcast because I was trying to put my feelers out there to see if, okay. if you you knew anything about this. What is your favorite horror writer? Oh, I don't know if I have one. What? Yeah, no. I don't know. I know I you know. read, which yeah. is always great. It's great quality to have. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I thought you, do you move more towards like romance books? No. No? No, I like books about murder. Oh, oh, oh neat. <laughs> like the, like the books here, the book series I'm reading now is actually really good. Um, it's by Holly Jackson. So the first book is A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. Um, and then she, there's two other books. So I, I'm on the third one now and it's, it's really good i recommend it yeah you told me that um you you like folded and got a hardback which is not something that you do no i hate hardback but i cannot wait to everywhere that i that is near me to buy like this book i was looking online it was everywhere said it would come out paperback march 1st and i was like i can't wait that long i don't blame you it's on it's on my reading list to to get into yeah I, I honestly, I don't read, I, it's more of a recent thing that I've gotten into is reading, so I don't know if I have a, a favorite author, horror author yet. Who honestly, is yours? that's fair. There's not a lot of them out there, um, unless you want to go, like, deep dive into Victorian era right, horror. Right, right. Um, I really like Grady Hendrix. I talk about him until I die, just because he seems like a pretty cool die, uh, cool die. I'm losing it he seems like a pretty cool guy and he actually writes all of his books from the setting of South Carolina so Ah. uh, yeah he's kind of like a um a a Nicholas Sparks but horror yeah yeah exactly that and his books are always like a good mix of horror and like comedy and oh I love that I have a biggest pet peeve ever is a man trying and failing to write strong female characters Mm -hmm. it is the biggest pet peeve I have it's why I don't like Stephen King which will be controversial because he's the like self-proclaimed king of horror but like he does not know how to write female characters right his son Joe kind of knows how to write them a little bit better but still has to include those like dark scenes Mm-hmm. And that I have no benefit to the story whatsoever. But Grady Hendrix, he's pretty he's pretty solid. I mean, like, don't get me okay. wrong, there's still there's still work to be done. There's always work to be done. Oh, absolutely. But he writes all of his books from uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Oh, cool. Yeah, and what what book has been your favorite of his so I can check it out? So he has two that are my favorite. Sorry, my rats are being ridiculous. <laughs> I have rats in this room that I record. It's like half office, half zoo. So Love that. Yeah, super great. Um, so my favorite one from him, like all-time favorite, is My Best Friend's Exorcism, 
which oh. is amazing. Like, even the cover art for it, super, super good. It's, like, made, like, one of those uh, cheesy horror books from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> it's amazing. And it does take place in, in I believe, the 80s in South Carolina. And this girl's okay. friend gets possessed, and she has to unpossess her. And it's nice. very, very good. And then there's another one called We Sold Our Souls, which is about a punk rock band who it like alternates between present time and past time and in the past they're like a rock band trying to make it big and they will literally do anything to make that happen and it sounds very devilly but it's it's more cultish actually so um when i hear that the first thing that pops into my head is the hex girls from scooby-doo yes absolutely (laughs) it has that vibe he has a very campy vibe to how he writes and it's like my favorite thing ever i love it yeah see i tend to fall more into like the true crime like i love reading books about people solving murders or even just any mysteries i've actually uh never i have i have but they're usually young adult fiction um that's kind of it's it's some of the ones that I read are more like young adult. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you get, read what you enjoy, guys. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't Always. let anybody judge you based off of what you read. Exactly. Read what makes you happy. Even reading, I think, is just great. It's great in general. I'm, yeah. I'm a very English person, so that's the reason for my questioning. <laughs> it so, was a good yeah. question. I liked yeah. it. You guys should definitely check out uh, Grady Hendrix and also A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. Yeah, yeah. So I think I go first? I think you do. Okay, so I decided to kind of, I went back to the whole curses kind of aspect, uh, one that is really big in the eyes of Hollywood. A Hollywood curse. Yeah, do you want to take a guess? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, go. I do. You're going to guess it. Is it Superman's curse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate you. I'm wearing a Harley Quinn shirt right now. Like, I didn't even <laughs> notice. Yeah, yeah, it's a tasteful I... Harley Quinn shirt. <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing The Curse of Superman. Love it. So it's going to take us back to 1932, where Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster met at Glenville High School in Cleveland, Ohio. Jerry wanted to be a writer, and perfect match, Joe wanted to be an illustrator. Jerry, in his early work, wrote sci-fi comics with Joe creating the illustrations. The first piece with, quote, Superman involvement was actually not the Superman that we all have grown to love today. The first Superman was actually a homeless character, Bill Dunn, who was tricked into an experiment, dr- experimental drug by an evil scientist. In turn, Bill actually used his powers for evil rather than good, and the short story was titled The Reign of Superman. What? Yeah, so Superman was, was evil. The first idea of him was evil. That's kind of hot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so they moved their work uh, into like more new strip comics, and after many uh, unsuccessful attempts and th- being told that they they needed to make uh, their work more sensational, they decided to reinvent the Superman idea. Their new Superman had received powers in a similar way that their first idea had, where uh, tricked into an experimental drug, but he used his powers for good crime fighting rather than evil. So getting a little closer to what we perceive as Superman. So they still had issues selling their comic, and eventually they 
After so many unsuccessful attempts, they parted ways for a period of time. Eventually, they reconciled and began working on the idea of Superman once again. This time, the character became the Superman that we are more familiar with, journalist Clark Kent from the planet Krypton. Eventually, after numerous rejections of their idea, in 1938, they eventually caved while working with Detective Comics, now known as DC. And they sold their Superman comic. Ooh, what was it? You didn't. I, I know I didn't. I've always yeah. been a Marvel girl, and I did not. know I've always DC. been a Marvel girl too. And so when I found that out, I was right? like, "Oh, cool, Detective Comics." And then I was like, in the my research, it was like, then they eventually changed their name to DC Comics, and I was like, "That's insane. Huh. That mm-hmm. is crazy." I'm ve- I, I read comic books. Um, I'm a fucking nerd. I I will read DC and Marvel, but I lean more towards Marvel. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've always felt that Marvel writes their heroes a lot better, but yeah. DC has the best villains. They sure do, yeah. And I, f- I find DC to be a little more darker. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right, so, um, But yeah, so DC was once Detective Comics. And it's funny how we call it DC Comics, but it's, it's Detective like Comics Comics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, they actually sold their Superman comics for about, at the time, $130, which was is now equivalent to 2390 And they signed a contract that signed away all the rights to Superman. I would be pissed. Right. So, after many years, they worked to try and reverse the ownership of Superman. And at this time, Joe Schuster's eyesight was progressively getting worse, preventing him from being able to continue his illustrations. In 1975, Jerry Siegel launched a campaign, which Joe participated in, protesting how DC Comics treated them. During this time was when Superman was moving, uh, the Superman movie was working on being released. So due to that fact, the company tried to steer any negative publicity away from them. So they agreed to providing each of the men with $20,000 a year and health benefits, which at the time the men were, were getting older. Um, so they weren't working as much. So they gave them $20,000 a year in health benefits, as well as they gave them back credit on the first Superman. Would you, uh, would you take that deal if you were in their position? I would definitely try to shoot for more, especially seeing how Superman started growing. Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like in that moment I might have taken it, um, just because you never know the future. Right. You never know how big it's gonna get. I don't think right. anybody expected it to get this big. But to sign away like all the rights. Mm. No, not... I could see like ninety percent of the rights. Like right, at right. least cut me ten percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like they signed away all of it. They owned nothing. So eventually, Joe Schuster died in 1992, and Jerry Siegel died in 1996. And this whole scenario is what potentially kicked off the Superman curse. So the treatment of the two creators may be the cause of all the misfortunes that happen through time. So there was like a lot of instances of quote the curse, but I just kind of picked out some just to summarize some points. So first I'll talk about is Kirk Allen. He played Superman in the 1940s in a couple low-budget films. After his success, he was typecasted and failed to be casted or find work ever again. 
In an interview with the Associated Press, he said, quote, I couldn't get another job. So the role of Superman just essentially ended his career for him. See, if that was the only thing that happened to any of the actors who played Superman, I'd be right. like, okay, well, you know, yeah. typecasting happens, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but it just progressively gets worse. Great, but we do, love it. We do find typecasting uh, a, good, a good pattern in this. So next is George Reeves. He played Superman in the 1951 film, as well as the television series Adventures of Superman. Like previous, he had a hard time finding work after this role. On top of that, on June 16, 1959, days before his wedding, George Reeves was found dead at his home. His death was ruled suicide by gunshot. The only issues of that were his prints were never found on the weapon. It was also said that during this time, he was having an affair with the wife of MGM executive Eddie Mannix, who is very, very well known to cover up the lives of Hollywood stars. MGM has... But I feel like we should address this in another episode, too. MGM is intense. Yeah. It's terrifying. And, like, I remember that rumor was going around where they, like, strapped the lion to the table Mm -hmm. to film their opening. Like, if that were true, I don't know. I've never looked into it. But if that was true, it's like, it's just the tip of the iceberg. Because everybody involved with MGM Studios from, like, maybe 1910s onward mm-hmm. it's fucking are wild. not good people yeah no. literally when so i wanted to when i was researching i was just like oh let me look up to see who this guy is and the first sentence on his actual like like anywhere you would find him was he was known to cover up scandals for hollywood so that is one of the suspicions on what could have happened to george reeves next is christopher reeve He played Superman in the film series from 1978 to 1987 in four movies. Like the others, he was also typecasted, had a hard time being seen apart from this role. In May of 1995, Reeve was thrown off from his horse in a cross-country equestrian riding event, which ended in him being paralyzed from the neck down. On October 10th, 2004, 15 days before his birthday, Reeve passed away. Although no official autopsy report was filed, his wife and doctor believed it was due to a bad reaction to a drug. Then, in 2006, his wife, Dana Reeves, or Dana Reeve, passed away due to lung cancer, despite not being a non-smoker. She was only 44 years old. Mm-mm. So she wasn't a It's not the most common. So at this point, it's not even just the actors who take the role. It's everybody it's around, around them. them. Yeah, and I will definitely get more into how this curse affected people, not just associate, like just people associated in connection with people in these movies. Next is Lee Quigley. He played baby Superman alongside Christopher Reeve in the 1978 film. In 1991, at the age of 14, he passed away due to solvent abuse. Whoa. Yeah. So if you, and I didn't know what solvent abuse was, but it's essentially like if you sniff too many, like permanent marker kind of thing, like it's like bad inhalation of like certain chemicals and stuff like that. You said he was 14? 14, yeah. God damn. 
Next is Marlon Brando, played uh, alongside Christopher Reeve in the 1978 film. His son, Christopher, funny, Christopher, Christopher, but two different Christophers, but his son, Christopher, spent five years in prison for shooting his half-sister's boyfriend in 1990. A month after the shooting, Cheyenne gave, Cheyenne, his daughter, uh, Marlon Brando's daughter, gave birth uh, so the father of the baby was the boyfriend that was shot and she actually ended up losing custody of the baby due to her erratic behavior and being diagnosed with schizophrenia are we sure this isn't all related to the one 1978 film like they really went wrong with that one and then in 1995 at the age of 25 cheyenne committed suicide then three months before the death of Marlon's co-star Christopher Reeve, Marlon Brando passed away. Next we have Margot Kidder. She again played alongside Christopher Reeve. She played uh, his love interest Lois Lane. In 1990, Kidder was seriously injured due to a really really bad car accident and she was left paralyzed from spinal injury. Due to uh, being unable to work for a few years, and then she was unable to work for a few years due to the injury, but she was like trying to work to get a little bit to start feeling better, getting more healthy. But during this period, her mental health was declining, and in 1988 was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. In 1996, she entered a manic state and disappeared for four days. She was found in a complete stranger's backyard in Glendale, California, with her hair chopped, teeth damaged, and beaten. That is absolutely insane. I've never heard of that. Yeah, me neither. She was eventually placed in a psychiatric care and accepting. she became, became accepting of her diagnosis. She was later on able to openly uh, speak up about her experiences and her diagnosis. On May 13, 2008, at the age of 69, she was found dead at her home. Her death was ruled suicide by alcohol and drug overdose. Oh, that, that makes me upset. I mean, like, relapse, obviously, is a thing, yeah. especially in Hollywood. But, I mean, she seemed it to have sucks. it all yeah. together. Next, uh, we have Richard Pryor. He starred in the 1983 Superman movie. He previously had been a drug addict uh, that at one point in his life led to a near suicide attempt uh but that was before the movie three years after his movie was released he announced that he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at the age of 65 on december 10th 2005 he passed away due to a heart attack now kate uh bosworth this is more recent she played Lois Lane, uh, Superman's love interest in the 2006 movie, Superman Returns. Shortly after the film, uh, Kate and her then-boyfriend at the time, well-known actor Orlando Bloom, split up. And Kate actually blamed her failed relationship on the Superman curse. Really? Yeah. Huh, okay. Um, seems a little small compared to the rest of them. Right, right. Um, I also saved... It's not funny, but my favorite one for last, but I have one more before it. So this one's kind of nuts. The Superman crew, uh, the Superman Return DVD crew. So there's three members on this crew that were actually injured. One fell down a flight of stairs. One was mugged and physically assaulted. 
and the third was smashed into a glass window. Holy shit! Yeah, all in the same crew for the same movie. And just the DVD crew. So the director, uh, Brian Singer, commented saying, quote, my, D- my DVD crew absorbed the curse for us. <laughs> oh my, okay. All right. I mean, take one for the team, I guess. Mm-hmm. What the... <laughs> And the last one I'm going to talk about is Allison Mack. So she played Chloe Sullivan. <laughs> as soon as you said it, as soon as you uh, keep going. No, I, rem- I remember flat out hearing about all of this. Um, and I will say there's no mention anywhere that in most of these that it's the curse is fault. But it just seems that bad luck follows anybody associated with any sort of thing in the Superman universe. So Allison Mack played Chloe Sullivan in the TV show Smallville. In April of 2018, she was arrested for being accused of sex trafficking and forced human labor. There was a speculation from various news outlets whether this was related to the curse or not. Finally, in 2021, she was sentenced to three years in prison after pleading guilty to racketeering and racketeering uh, conspiracy charges. I definitely think one of us should uh, do a whole episode on. Oh, we totally could. Allison and Mack. I remember because I used to, when Smallville first came out, I used to watch it because um, the main actor. Oh, he's hot, but he was from Cheaper by the Dozen, and so I was like, "Ooh, what's up?" Um, but so I remember her in it, and then it was only like maybe like t- maybe two years ago that I found out about everything that she was like into and it's crazy how like these people in in the spotlight get into these like bad bad situations and make really bad decisions i mean her involvement is completely tied to nexion and like cults and like yeah it's it's a deep dive so if you guys want us to talk about it we definitely can um yeah there is a documentary on netflix too about it oh i didn't know that yeah, it is very, very good. It might be Hulu, actually. There's a documentary on one of those um, about Nexion, and it's insane. And I just think, I mean, like, obviously, it's insane that all of this stuff has happened to people associated with Superman. Yeah. But at the same time, Allison Mack, I think, was just a very bad person. Oh, 100%. Terrible. Yeah. yeah, I think anybody who gets involved in anything even remotely close to human trafficking, sex trafficking, or disgusting people yeah hers i mean everybody else's that you've listed seemed very uh instantaneous like car and accidents was, and yeah, stuff like that everything except i feel like everything except for her um was unfortunately bad luck yeah yeah, yeah. bad luck bad timing just hers was choice her, she definitely chose yeah what she yeah. did and like i i swear to god i was a teen wolf kid as a child i don't know if you were <laughs> i was not okay yeah so but I, I was tyler posey yeah tyler posey amazing <laughs> um but you also have tyler hoslin who played the beloved Derek. like i i was so in love with him he was like the bad boy werewolf type in a oh, leather jacket love that. so into it he plays superman now currently on the cw and ah. i don't want to see anything happen to him and it seems like Henry Cavill's doing pretty well, too. Right. Henry Cavill. There, there's a lot, a lot of people who 
don't believe in the curse and it's never affected them. Tom Welling is the Smallville Superman from yes. who was in Cheaper by the Dozen. So he has said that the curse has never affected him, doesn't believe in it. Same as Henry Cavill. Oh, bless both of their hearts. They're beautiful young men. <laughs> um, young. Um, but <laughs> there we go. So there is a good amount of people who don't believe in it. Nothing's ever affected them. But at the same time, there's a very suspiciously large amount of people who have been neg- negatively affected in their life and the only connection to all of them is they have ties to the superman universe yeah yeah I, it's always it's one of my favorite hollywood curses i don't have a lot of favorite hollywood curses obviously but this is a good one it, it is it's a it's it's sad but that good. so much yeah. correlation can like come mm-hmm. from all of this it's insane yeah yeah For the week so what do you have for us dude mine is completely different <laughs> it is i i'm sticking with my roots i'm doing something that's back in the 1800s again of course of course yeah obviously the root of all evil is the 1800s and i feel like this is colonization this is <laughs> is very on brand for us you bringing back to the 1800s me going into like pop culture yeah absolutely and i think that's what works best for us because it, it sure does yeah i'm a spooky bitch you're a pop culture bitch it makes sense it makes sense it works it makes so much sense <laughs> and i'm glad you say that because i'm actually going to start today off with a history lesson oh I'm which ready. yeah super super fun stuff so i'm going to talk about the homestead act of 1862 abraham lincoln wanted to advance cultivation of western territory and this act provided 160 acres of federal land to anyone who agreed to farm it at the time states we know as washington oregon idaho and parts of wyoming were available to the general public to make their own the homestead act also moved the osage indians from their home and into a reservation in oklahoma which fuck that first of all like i just want to interject i didn't say fuck that in my script but fuck that uh so (laughs) i you said what preach it preach it i thought you said reach it and i was like (laughs) Reach what am I what? missing here? Reach it, which what? <laughs> so it it did move all of the Osage Indians from their home in Oklahoma, and that is what made Kansas an available territory. And in October of 1870, there were five families that moved onto the land, and one of those families was the Benders, who proceeded to occupy 160 acres of land bordering a trail that led further west. And this trail connected to the Oregon Trail, which, (laughs) you know, throwback to the Donner Party. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So the family consisted of four members. All four were of German descent. You had John Bender Sr., who was a massive man that knew little English. His <laughs> wife, Elvira Bender. <laughs> He's literally, people described him as a bear. Like he was a massive re- man. He was a tank. <laughs> no one wanted to fuck with John Bender Sr. <laughs> what was so, the wife's name? Um, His wife, Alvira Bender, and they had two children, John Bender Jr. and Kate Bender. Oh. Yeah. 
So John and John Jr. didn't waste any time making a home of the land. They constructed two buildings, a cabin and a barn, and lived there for about a year before Kate and Elvira joined them. Elvira also didn't speak much English and had a rude edge to her that earned her the nickname of She-Devil. Why did I already know that? Just based- I'm judging somebody I don't know, but just based off of her name. No, it's like if you name your kid Malachi, it's not going to end well. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, totally get so. it. Yeah. Like, I'm not so surprised. Everybody in the surrounding area has gone unquote by saying there was nothing particularly likable about the Benders other than their daughter, Kate. And why did I know that? Why did I know Kate was probably, like, the, just the golden child? Mm-hmm. So everyone described her as beautiful and captivating. She had sharp features and soft skin, and every man who came in contact with her was said to fall a little bit in love with her character. She was 23 years old at the time and could speak fluent English. She advertised herself as a healer and a psychic. She would cure oh. illnesses, and the family often held seances in their parlor. What a what a queen. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> totally great. Love her. <laughs> oh no! What? But right now I'm picturing she's Goldilocks, and the rest of her family is the three bears. Liter- that is literally it. Like, I mean, so John Jr. wasn't necessarily bad looking. He was like baby bear. He, I mean, people, I, this is not me saying this, but people described him as a little odd and a little slow. I think he got hit in the head as a child. I honestly don't know. But he he wasn't fully there, so okay. I mean, you, you know. But right. Elvira and John Senior, man, we're just fucking evil. terrifying. Literally. So the inside of the house was actually pretty interesting. John Senior had taken an old canvas from a covered wagon and hung it from the beams of the ceiling. It split the main living area right down the middle horizontally. They used the back side of the cabin as a living space, and the front side was turned into a general store and a makeshift tavern for any travelers that had taken to the Osage Trail. John Sr. hung a canvas sign on the fence post and painted the words Bender Inn on the front. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I feel like this is not going to end well at all. You would be correct. (laughs) I'm already getting the chills. So weird things started to happen in the settlement, and in May of 1871, there was a man that was found submerged in Drum Creek, which wasn't far from the Bender Inn. His skull had been crushed, and his throat had been slit ear to ear. By February of the same year, two more victims were found with the same injuries. Oh, so they got a serial killer. Yeah, they got something going on. At this point, word had spread and people started to actively avoid the trail, and this started to affect everyone in the settlement who were struggling to make their own businesses successful. So local vigilante groups tried and failed to find the culprit, but most of the men who went missing weren't actually going to be missed by anyone, which is very so, sad, but they, whoever is killing these people, it tends to be people who... Are loners, and if they go missing on the trail, they go missing. Like I and mean, nobody it's the would, 1800s. No, yeah, yeah. It, it. I don't want to say it didn't matter, but everybody oh, no. matters. But it, it was just those people who didn't have anybody in their life that would notice. Yeah, it. Uh, it sounds eerily similar to the way law enforcement treats sex workers today. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> 
So it wasn't until 1872 when George Newton Longcore and his infant daughter Mary Ann went missing did real attention and time get poured into the situation. They had the full intention of relocating to Iowa and the easiest route was along the Osage Trail. His neighbor, Dr. Henry William York, grew suspicious of his silence and in the spring he started to question other homesteaders along the trail. So, Good man. Interesting. Good man. Um, so William York also went missing. So this drew the attention of his older brother, Alexander York, who was a Civil War veteran, a lawyer, and a member of Kansas City Senate. He traveled to the Bender Inn and confronted the family. They explained that they remember William York. He stayed the night and left without any incident. They insisted that maybe he ran into trouble with Indians along the way. Fucking assholes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Oh, same. Absolutely same. So on April 3rd, Alexander actually returned to the inn with other men behind him this time. He had run into a woman that was scared to death of Elvira Bender, claiming that she had been threatened with knives. Elvira feigned innocence and struggled to string broken English together, but when Alexander repeated the claim, so she stated that the woman was a witch, and Elvira had no trouble saying that at all. Perfect English. Huh, but she struggled with everything else, speaking-wise. Mm-hmm. Until say, she, she lost her temper is when, when she could say anything. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that same day, Kate Bender turned on her ultimate charm and offered to do a psychic reading in order to help Alexander find his brother. She instructed him to come back on Friday, and she would lead him to his brother's grave. It wasn't until later that week when the townspeople around the Osage Trail started to notice that the farm animals on the property looked emancipated. Emaciated. I'm just gonna say emancipate. What do you mean? They don't have parents anymore? <laughs> Technically, no, I guess. Wait, what, emaciated. Does, what does that mean? Um, it means that they look very underfed, that they were dying okay. from hunger, okay. and like they were no longer being taken care of. Okay. Yeah. A man by the name of Leroy Dick, who happened to be the elected town officer, discovered that the property had been completely abandoned, and the scent on the land was something that could only be described as rotten and sickening. This prompted Leroy and a couple other men, including Alexander, to tear the house apart. What they found was an elaborate trapdoor that was placed strategically (gasps) under a bed. When they opened the door, they realized that the odor was because of an abundance of clotted blood that not only soaked through the stone floor, but into the packed dirt below the stone floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they didn't find any bodies located in that area of the basement, but they did reach the backyard where Alvira and Kate kept a vegetable garden and a small apple orchard. This is where they found the body of Dr. William York. There, they uncovered at least 10 full bodies and additional dismembered parts that could not be linked to one victim or another. There was a similar cause of death for every victim, excluding one. Blunt force trauma to the head and a slit across the throat. Oh. Mm -hmm. So, oh my god, they're serial killers. Yeah, they're uh, one of America's first serial killers, actually. Nice. Yeah. So it was believed that Kate would lure travelers into the inn with her beauty. She would offer up a warm meal and give them a seat that backed the hung canvas curtain. 
The four legs of the chair were situated over the trap door. At this point, John Bender would knock the man out and Kate or Elvira would slit his throat. They would strip search him for valuables before burying the travelers in the backyard. Oh my god. Yeah, and I mean, it wasn't explicitly said what they did with the trapdoor, really. Because, I mean, they would knock the people out. But, you know, they would just drop the body down there. Right, right. Yeah, and I don't know if they've had more than one victim a night or what. But, gotta be convenient to have a trapdoor. And so, it was mainly John Sr., Elvira, and Kate? Well, John Jr. would also, if John Sr. wasn't around, he would also take a hammer and, and go at it. Yeah, it was, they they were feral. A family affair. Mm Mm-hmm. Every single person in that family. Oh, that's nuts. Yeah, so perhaps one of the oddest and saddest victims of the Bender family was a child by the name of Mary Ann, who happened to be the daughter of York. Aww. Yeah, she was not knocked out. She was actually buried alive, so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she had dirt under her nails and a, st- a distinct lack of struggle. So she she was just buried alive as a baby. Like, and, oh. oh yeah, it's really fucked up. And so the family was just nowhere to be found? Yeah. So um, they were gone. Alexander York offered up a large reward for the benders, and detectives followed their wagon tracks for a total of 12 miles before it was lost completely. The Bender family vanished into thin air, but there are some theories about where America's first family of serial killers ended up. People speculated that John Jr. and Kate traveled to a colony by Texas where law enforcement wouldn't follow, and a few sources said that John Jr. died from apoplexy, which I'm probably butchering that. It's essentially blood clotting in the frontal lobe, which I think is ironic, considering. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it was assumed that Alvira and John Sr. headed to Missouri, but at the end of the day, none of the members of the family were ever caught. Wow. Yeah, and here's another interesting fact. In 1910, a new story broke on the Benders revolving around Kate, a woman who was on her deathbed in San Francisco admitted to her neighbor that she had been living a double life for the last 30 years. While it was never proven, historians continue to scrutinize her claim every day because she does claim to be... Kate Bender. Hmm. Yeah, so it's never been proved that she was the last of what society calls the bloody benders. But... But she admitted to it. Yeah. This old woman admitted to to killing people. Right, so... That... Yeah, I personally think that it could be her. Yeah. Um, Even though there's nothing backing the claim. But at the same time, if you're on your deathbed, what do you have to lose? Like, why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I'm getting at, too. Like, I feel like there's a difference between people falsely admitting that they're, say, a serial killer when they're, like, 30 years old that versus when they're on their deathbed. Yeah, and, like, I know people like to be close to crime. It's the same with, like, people who fall in love with serial killers who are in prison right. and, like, write right. them love letters. But I think this is a very different situation. Yeah. Like, and she I was know, trying like, to clean her soul. Some people, like the attention right and so but this just it doesn't seem to be going in that direction it just yeah like you said clean her soul just get rid of that guilt that can if it really is her that has been on her her entire life there's like such a lack of self-benefit here that 
I, I could see it. The only other thing that I think could have happened was the neighbor who was just, like, taking care of her was just like, this would be interesting. If I if right. I told them that this happened, no one else is around me to believe it. But, you know. What does she get to win from that? Not a thing. And I, I don't know. I, I, I truly think it's her. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I really want a movie made about the Benders. I yeah, do. I've never heard about them. That's really interesting. That's insane. Yeah, I was watching, I like to turn on true crime and just kind of go about my business and do whatever. Because uh, it's kind of mindless TV that you can watch, especially right. if it's not like a docuseries that you have to follow. It's more like a new story every episode. Mm-hmm. And this one, I think, caught my attention because it was, it's a series on Discovery Plus called Evil Kin. And all the stories up until this one had been current and like things that had happened like in small towns and shit. But this was like, this was America's first family of serial yeah. killers and i think that's crazy that they're that's it's not more well known yeah i'd never heard of it it's insane Me neither. that's so oh oh that's spooky yeah well thank you guys for tuning in this week for tuning in. again if you have any suggestions on stories you'd like to hear feel free to shoot us a message on instagram or an email at ghost to ghost submissions at gmail.com or follow us on our instagram at c2g pod yeah and if you guys want you can totally leave us reviews on both apple music and spotify yeah i heard that's a new thing now you can leave reviews on spotify i feel like actually yeah i i reviewed us with uh four stars because i'm not that much of a self-proclaimist oh you're, you're honest you're honest we like it <laughs> If I was being honest, I would have given us two. (laughs) (laughs) You outed me as D.B. Cooper. (laughs) I did not. You admitted to it. What do you get from admitting to it? (laughs) Self-benefit and cleansing my soul. (laughs) But you're not dying. You don't know that. Are you dying? No. (laughs) That's what I (laughs) Well, thank you for listening, guys, and tune in next Thursday.